Hi, friends, and welcome back to Zao, the podcast where we hear and share stories of life lived. Uh, today, we have a very special treat. Uh, it's uh, actually a, a um, rerun, if you will. We're going back to one of um, one of our first episodes uh, and having a conversation with John Brandenberger. Um, we talked with you a couple of years ago, and you shared your story then. There's lots of new updates, and, and we want to hear where, what you've been up to since then. So thanks for uh, coming in. It's always a great pleasure to talk to you, whether we have microphones in, in front of us or not. I just love visiting with you, so thanks so much. Awesome. Excited to be here. Yeah. So the last time we talked, you were, or last time we talked with a microphone, <laughs> we, uh, you were managing uh, the flagship store of a major department store. Um, you were loving your work. You were really great at it. You um, were building a, a team and, um, and, and a great producer for your company. But this past year, you've made um, a major career jump. And tell us about that. What, what is this big jump in your life? Well, my my wife and I had been talking about, you know, what our future looked like and, and how we were going to build the legacy for our family, what kind of impact we'll make on the community and um, in our world, etc. And we just figured out or discussed and strategized that if, if we're going to have the impact the way we want to have it, we felt like we had to be in more control of that process. So... We decided to venture out and look at some opportunities, and um, we settled on the acquisition and working on the acquisition of Community Bakery here in Little Rock, Arkansas. So you are in the process of buying a bakery. Correct. Um, what, so how'd you get there? Well, I've always had a passion for service, mm-hmm. and ironically, I like food as well, so it's just kind of a, a natural connection. And one of the things I've, I've always appreciated about food service, because I had food service experience like most people yeah, in my high school years, yeah. earning money, that type of thing. Working at Popeye's was one of the, the coolest uh, jobs I had ever had. And I really love the intimacy that you have with guests. You know, they're right across the counter. You can go out into the lobby, connect with people. Uh, and food is a great way to pull people together, um, I'm sure. I won't speak for anyone else's family. With my family, I see people during uh, holiday uh, dinners, you know, Thanksgivings, etc. That I don't see all year, but it's neat how not only the holiday, but that food really pulls us all together. Yeah, yeah. So I've just always felt that was a great fit for my personality and 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 things that drive me. And so we that's the path we wanted to go down. Now, not anticipating it being community bakery, we had actually thought we would do a franchise. Um, I just wanted more creative control because part of that early discussion on how we're going to make impact and contribute in our community and our world, we realized that we need to have some say in that process. And unfortunately, when you do a franchise, nothing against franchise owners. I think that that's neat that they want to carry on the legacy of another brand, but you don't have as much creative control. Mm -hmm. You're limited on what you can do in your community. Whereas this opportunity, the way it surfaced, it, I mean, it was, I mean, if we felt like it was gift wrapped, handed to us um, for what we want to do. I mean, it, it's just the perfect scenario. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, from from the outside, without hearing the the, the backstory, it, it could sound like, oh, here's the quintessential midlife crisis story. Like, <laughs> I'm going to leave my job and buy a bakery. And like, yeah. who, who doesn't dream of like leaving it all behind and doing nothing but like 
making sweet treats and, and yeah. feeding people, but but there's a great deal more intentionality in it. Absolutely. That, that you all were looking at what what is our life going to be and what what is our impact going to be right. and then where does what fits into that well and I, and I think it comes down to david being clear on what your why is like what drives you because mm-hmm. i think once you know what drives you um it helps guide your thought process which then leads to the actions that you take which then obviously lead to the results that that you're going to have and what drove both my wife and i um we couldn't get that with my prior career. Actually, nothing against the career. I loved my time, yeah. uh, my pri- previous career, and I learned so much, and that company invested so much in me and my development, and I'll be eternally grateful. Still have amazing relationships with, with the, the family there and, and many of the folks that I worked with. Um, well, we felt for, for what we wanted to do in our community, I would have to be more active physically in the community, mm-hmm which means I'll have to go out into the community, be a part of various events and things of that nature, which the bakery, and let me preface this with, I'm not a baker, I'm not a <laughs> chef, I'm not a cook, I just love to eat, yeah. uh, and, and I love people, and that's the connection there. And we felt that the brand itself, Community Bakery, and all that it's done in this community over the last 70-plus years we just felt like it had such a huge impact, but we feel like we can help evolve the brand and do even more with it by being intentional. We have very clear directions on what we want to do, uh, and we feel like we can leverage Community Bakery and its mission, kind of meld it into ours, you know, put the two uh-huh. together. I mean, it, they're almost the exact same mission, and it's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing for us. Um, anyone who thinks... And you're correct if someone says, well, it's typical midlife crisis. Right. Hopefully at yeah. my age, I'm not at my midlife. I plan on living at least twice as long than I am uh, <laughs> now. So no jinx there, David. But um, this Sorry. is something that we had been talking about for quite some time. This was yeah. not a, I woke up one day, the day after Christmas, after you know a yeah. crazy holiday season, said, babe, this is it, I'm done. Yeah. That never occurred. This is... My wife and I are both planners. We're very strategic, and we had just kept talking and talking and refining plans mm-hmm. and strategies. And then when this surfaced, this is one of those things that I remember telling my wife, like, this is it. Like, yeah. Just when we first started talking about it, I said, it feels right. The brand's amazing. Uh, we have incredible stories of, of times that we shared at Community Bakery. I've met hundreds, if not thousands of people over the years that told me stories about Community Bakery and how it impacted their family. Mostly good, some crazy (laughs) stories, uh, which is going to happen with small business. That's just the nature of it. But we just knew that this was the perfect fit. We could not have asked for a better um, opportunity. And because, once again, I'm not a chef, a baker, or a cook, there's no way I could have started a, a restaurant from scratch. Right. That would that would have been kind of career suicide. Yeah. And so to take a brand like this that uh, Joe Fox, who is the principal owner, who's owned it for 35 years, he grew this brand into to what it is today, um, to take everything that he's done as our foundation and then evolve it on top of that. I mean, we were this is like a gift. We feel it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but... A lot of people thought I was crazy and were shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, some from the company I worked with and some from family members. They would say, what, what is that? Or I didn't know you liked to bake. And I said, you don't get it. It's not about the baking. 
Um, but it's, it's, uh, it was a crazy process, but for us, it wasn't because we had been strategizing this and sure. it just happened to meet all the little check marks on our list of what we wanted. And it, it was like perfect fit. So it's very much, you're not running from something. It's not that it didn't come out of a dissatisfaction with where oh, you were, no. but you're running to something of like, what's, what's the next chapter of my life and how yeah. can I make that, how can I intentionally write that chapter and not just let it happen for me? Yeah. Just, just like a brand, we too, as people, we evolve, we all plateau both professionally and personally and spiritually. And it's about taking that next step, that next uh, almost leap of faith, if you would. Mm -hmm. The difference is there was a lot of strategy behind it. So I don't know that I would say it was a leap. It was a strategic Mm -hmm. move. Mm -hmm. And no, I loved loved my time at my previous company, and they were amazing to me. Um, This was just something, you know, that old, it was too good to pass up. Yeah. And that's why we made the move. Yeah. So what is, what's daily life like now? I mean, you're not a baker or a cook or, a, yeah. so you're not the, the Dunkin' Donuts guy, like time to make the donuts no, at 4 a.m. or no. anything like that. But what's, um, what, what's life like? Well, I've been a 4 a.m. guy for quite some time, which mm-hmm. is also, um, you know, I've contemplated this, that was this something that was predestined for me because all of a sudden, well, not all, a few years ago, I started getting up at four o'clock in the morning, running, working out, riding. So my body is used to this pattern of mm-hmm. getting up this early. So I get up and um, I go into the bakery and I work with the staff. And I, you know, that I'm really fortunate, David, because I don't feel the pressure of owning the bakery because we're buying, we're acquiring it right. uh, uh, from Joe. He's teaching us the trade. He's an amazing mentor, but probably more valuable than Joe and no offense to Joe is the incredible staff that works there. They're investing in my development. They're teaching me. I mean, I was telling you before, I've never even drank. I don't even know what a latte is. I do now. <laughs> uh, espresso, a mocha. Like I'd never experienced this stuff. I'm like, what is Starbucks? I've never heard of that. Like I, every time <laughs> you're we the went, one person yeah, in the world, I'm then the one guy who's never had a drink from Starbucks. <laughs> I think I had an iced tea, but that's not the same. But this staff is investing in me, training me and, and teaching me this trade. I mean, this is an artisan trade to be a scratch bakery and do stuff by hand to have baristas train you. Um, uh, we have a chef on staff. We have an amazing kitchen staff. They're teaching me all these things. Like, I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's a gift to Mm -hmm. me that I'm grateful for every day. So to answer your question, it's a long day. I get in there, uh, usually between five and 7 AM. And then I'm there till five and six o'clock at night. And, uh, every day I have fun. Every single day, there's not been a day that I've not had fun. Now, that doesn't mean there are not stressors and crisis to deal with. But in my previous place, in running a 60 plus, 60 million plus uh, store, we had crisis every day. But it's not the same here at the bakery. Most of our crisis are people issues, whether it be, you know, customers, our guests that we serve, or some of the staff. Uh, but everybody's just been so amazing. Um, the, and not only the staff, my CB family, as I call them, the community we serve. Like people are, are really excited that I'm there, mm-hmm. though they still are not sure what I do. <laughs> they just know I'm the new guy, <laughs> the bearded guy behind, uh-huh. the, uh, behind the counter. Uh, but I know they can see a difference in the energy and, and just how we service people. 
Uh, that's definitely not just me. It has to do with the staff. But I think the staff is re-energized as well. I have a different leadership type. Uh, I have different skill sets than they're used to. Just like I'm learning from them, it's reciprocal. We're collaborating. I'm showing and teaching them things, and, and they're just eating it up. No, I guess pun intended. Pun intended. Because <laughs> I'm eating it up every day. But it's, it's a lot of fun, David. It's, it's a lot of work. And I, I wish everybody did something professionally that aligned with their why. Because when you hit that place, when, you, when you're at that place in life, it's magical. I mean, mm. it really is. It, it, when what you do aligns with who you are and, you, and those two things connect, it, you don't feel like you're working. So a 60, 70-hour work week is nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, I do it gladly. And uh, now, can I do it for another uh, 35 years like Joe? <laughs> I don't know that I can do that. Um, but it's just it's a really cool, uh, exciting, very fulfilling Thing. I mean, I feel like I'm in high school again. My brain is overwhelmed with new knowledge and I'm processing everything. So to answer your question, it's crazy for me. Uh, so I think sometimes people come in the bakery and they've seen me now for a few months and I'm sure they think I know I've got it down and I'll forget how to make a, a cappuccino and I have to look up on the board because mm-hmm. my brain just hasn't caught up with everything. But everybody's been really patient with me and I, and I appreciate that. So I, I'm still learning. I'm the new kid on the block. I probably will be for several more months. Yeah. So I'm interested in courage um, because, um, it, as you said, it's not, not really a leap, but it was a strategy and it, and it did take a, some sort of jump. What um, and and I, and and to to know you to to even hear this part of your story, um, everything is intentional. You, you do everything with great intentionality. So, what was your intentional process of of discovering courage in all of this? You know, uh, first off, I've always believed that well, we all have courage, and and it's funny because everybody defines courage differently. Mm-hmm. I, I look at courage as. When every part of your body is saying, no, don't do this. This could be a bad thing. <laughs> Except your heart. Your heart says, this is it. Don't listen to the rest of you. Yeah. Just jump in and do it. And if you can actually take that step. And a lot of it's just the step. Mm-hmm. I think once you take one step, as corny as that sounds, one foot in front of the other, there's something to be said about momentum. But you have to take that first step. Uh, and because it was a planning process, David, I don't know that I could say I had to muster the courage. But in the planning process, we did. We had to talk about, um, you know, we had to look at the finances behind it. We had to look at, okay, what does our family need? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a want and a need. And uh, my wife and I have always had the philosophy that we live below our means. Mm-hmm. And not just for the sake of being misers and putting money in the bank so that we would then have options. Because we knew at some point we would make a move of some sort Mm -hmm. and it kind of manifested into this, but all that strategy led up to this point. Now I will tell you, and speaking of courage, we had to have many conversations of our strategy, never changing the goal, but being fixated on that goal, but being willing to be flexible on our, our strategy to get to the goal. Mm -hmm. Cause what we originally talked about and where we are now, were not the same thing. The end goal was, but how we thought we would get there was not, is not really how we got there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were able to take little steps, get to a certain stopping point, 
re-strategize a little bit, take a few more steps. And, and that process took time. But what I love about that process, and I would recommend that to anybody. Yeah, everybody go out and let's get a bakery tomorrow. Just don't do it in Little Rock. <laughs> right, yeah, us. there's only one. Room. And there's, you know, there's other great bakeries here. But if you take a, strat- a strategic approach to it, you're able to convince your brain, like you, you look at all the pros and cons constantly. And what you end up finding is courage takes over and courage says the pros significantly outweigh the cons. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of these people who will say, well, what will happen if I don't do it? Mm. That's the strategy I like to take. So when people are concerned about making a change, whether it be career, whether it be personal or whatever, spiritual you have to ask yourself, well, what will happen if you make no change? Right. That, to me, is the scary thing, yeah. uh, especially when your brain is already telling you, hey, we think we need a change. And I think we're very instinctive creatures. Um, you know, over years, we've evolved as a species, so I don't think we trust our instincts as much. We go with norms and what our mom and dad said we should do and what our peers tell us. But if you learn to listen to your instincts, your instincts will drive you, and your instincts or know when it's time to make a change. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, most people make that change because they have to. My wife and I were able to do the change because we wanted to. Mm-hmm. So that's that courage led up to that, but there was cur- we had to practice courage every step of the way, and it just kept building and building. And of course, you get more courageous and more courageous, and sometimes your moves are even bolder. But you've worked through that process, and you know if I don't change, this is what will happen. Yeah. And, and that, that's how I like to look at it. I don't know that anybody else likes to approach it that way. That's probably a scary way to look at things. Well, if you've defined the why and, and you have the, the end in mind, like you say, you, you can define that in a negative and say, I can't get there unless I move. And that's, right. and that's the courage. It's like, I don't want to stay here, not because it's bad, but just because that's not the goal. That's not the why. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and not to bring a, a spirituality to this, though I know that doesn't bother you, but when I've heard people say, well, God will tell me when it's time or God will show me a way. I think he shows us a way all the time, right. but it's our, it's our own fear of change that we convince ourselves not to do it. Because if you're not clear on what your mission is and what your why is, which to me, that's God given, mm-hmm. that's given to us. You just have to be courageous enough to hear it and then go after it. But for many of us, I think because we want to do something, we think we know what our why is, we can't figure out how to get there. So we just chalk it up to, well, that's not really realistic. Or Mm -hmm. I gave up my dreams when I had children. Like I've heard crazy stuff like that. (laughs) I've even said that kind of thing, but I think that's a cop out. Uh, I've even said those things, but once you get aligned with your why... It's really crazy how that courage is just a part of it. I think it is very courageous to live your why. And I'm not talking my story, but anyone who does what they do because they're really passionate about it and it drives them. I admire those people, runners, you know, world-class athletes, uh, you know, people who go out and do consulting for a living and you think, well, consultants don't make money. You know, everybody's a consultant. And then you find out that they're really passionate about it and they have great success doing it because it's connected to their why. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think personally, uh, courage is, it's in there. We've got to pull it out and we've got to use it. That's why, that's why we were given that courage. And I think he or whatever you believe in, mm-hmm. it's, 
we have a destiny. We have something that's intended for us. You just have to be courageous to find it. It's not just going to be handed to you. You know, you, you have to define it and then go after it. I think it's something you have to build yeah. yourself, if that makes any sense. I, I kind of feel like I'm rambling about it, but uh, <laughs> that, that's just how I, I perceive it. Another part of your vocation, um, in, in vocation I don't mean career, but your kind of your place in the world. Um, the last time we talked, you were talking about, you know, it's, it's to be an encourager, mm-hmm. to be the, the one who helps pull out of people what's already there and, and almost cheerlead it out of them. Um, what does that look like now for you? It's, it's so much more now mm-hmm. than what I used to do um, in, in my previous life. You know, I, get, I have the incredible blessing of daily walking into a place where everybody's working hard. Everybody wants to, to be a better version of themselves, um, including many of the guests. Um, you know, I, we deal with a plethora, a very diverse group of client base. I mean, we truly serve our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and the staff is, it's a blessing. You know, it, I think from the outside, if people were looking at the staff, which is natural for humans, you know, we look at people and judge them, you know, within seconds, we've already decided everything about them. Um, they don't see the incredible things that I see in these people and know the stories, know what drives them. I mean, we've got people who've been there 17 years, 27 years. And some people would say, oh my gosh, you've been decorating cakes for 27 years. What kind of life is that? To do something like that for 27 years and come to work every day and be happy, that's courage to me. So that inspires me that I get to be around those people, pull from them their, their, their passion for what they do, but then also help them see that there are other things that they can accomplish. Not that I'm trying to encourage any of them to leave, no. uh, but how to enhance what they do. How can we be better? How do we evolve this brand? The evolution of that brand will be squarely on the shoulders of that staff. It'll have very little to do with my wife and I. Mm-hmm. They are the foundation of the bakery. We're just going to be, you know, kind of a, a, I guess, a catalyst, you know, to, a spark to get that going. So to answer your question, I get to do that every day. Yeah. And it is cool because, you know, I'm dealing with circumstances and, and some crisis management that I haven't had to in quite some time. But that's kind of my jam. Like, I love that stuff. I get excited about it. And, um, and I love seeing the progress that, these, that this, the staff makes. And the coolest part I'm progressing as well. I used to think it was always about making other people better. Mm-hmm. I'm getting better. Like just, and you know this from investing in others. It's like a 401k. It comes back to you. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I love. So I get to do it daily, David. There's not a day that goes by there that I'm not investing in people and they're not investing in me. So there's this natural collaboration that occurs. And I don't know how many people have that in their careers. Yeah. In fact, I would say a vast majority of people don't. They go and do kind of a mindless job, uh, regardless of what it is, it's almost mind-numbing because mm-hmm. it's a pattern. Well, for me, it's not. Now, granted, I've been there a little over three months. Right. Uh, but to work with people who've been there 20-some-odd years who come in with the same kind of passion, like, that's rare. And, and I'm loving it. I'm, I really am enjoying it. Yeah. We talked a little bit about this when, we, when you were talking about courage. Uh-huh. But um, what um, what was the 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 process of, of facing failure. So, I mean, I, I, I realize you're three months into it. You're, you're not, it's, this isn't like you've been cruising along here for six years yeah. or something, but, um, 
uh, was there was there a process of like uh, what the what ifs? Were, were you plagued by the what ifs or the like what's the plan doubt? B? What's plan B? Or what if this doesn't work? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, this is going to sound crazy, but I always have plan A, and that's what I focus on. Because I do believe if you start to focus on here's plan B, here's plan C, and here's D, it's easier for your brain to drift that way the minute you have a crisis. Now, to your point, I've only been here, you know, 100 days or so. Um, I would say things are going about as I expected them to go based on our strategy and our plan. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to naturally have what ifs. You know, what if the economy, what if this, you know, uh, that's going to happen. But I always go back to the default of why we're doing this. And we know it's our mission. And I don't look at that. I have another option. Um, If something were to go sideways that we didn't anticipate, which is natural in life, would we be okay? Yes, I have 100% faith. We will, a a plan B will arise. But plan A that's our focus. And my personal belief is when you're all in with something, you don't have to focus on the what ifs. Now, because we've had, and we're talking a few years, David, of strategies and mm-hmm. talks between mm-hmm. my wife and I, um, we've been able to work through a lot of stuff that most people don't even think of till they've bought a business or till they've made a career change. We've worked through all those particulars. So mm-hmm. um, are there what ifs? Do I occasionally think like, well, what if I make this cheesecake and it's terrible? I have tons of those kinds of what ifs. Yeah. But they're not, they're not uh, you know, end of game type what ifs for me. They're just simple like, well, I'll just tell them I'm a knucklehead and I need them to retrain me. I mean, that's the kind of stuff. I, mm-hmm. I kind of put, I compartmentalize and realize this is minor stuff. If I mess this up, we can fix it. Um, so I'd love to give you something meaty and juicy and go into the, the deep, you know, dark parts of the what if side of our brain. I just stay out of that world. I, I just do because I found in the past that when I had a backup plan or multiple backup plans, the minute there's crises, your brain drifts. It's ready to go to you know plan B. But when you realize like we're all in, this is it, your resources are then pooled to make it work. Now, to answer uh, another part B to that would be the backup plan to that, 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 uh, that statement is I'm always prepared to shift I don't change the goal, but I'm prepared to change the strategy. Right. That we have tons yeah. of talk on and talk about discussion. But I would not say that it's something that I, I would say, well, oh, my gosh, well, if this doesn't work, what if? My brain naturally does that, but I just remind my brain, here's the plan. Mm-hmm. The plan is solid. Execute the plan. We're not going to have to worry about a plan B. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, because, I mean, it, it goes back to what you were saying about courage where um, – Courage was well. The, the whole process wasn't a giant leap. You you weren't jumping off a cliff. You you had worked a process, and uh, and the courage came through a well thought out, uh, intentional plan and process. And so, um, focusing on that is easier than okay. Let's let's um, make this giant leap, and. And, and you get right up to the edge of the cliff and you think, well, wait, 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 wait. And that's, <laughs> right. and that's the fear of failure. Yeah. Um, but you all did it, you did it differently. You're not jump, you're not making a, a major leap yeah. off a cliff. You have kind of like a, 
a small jump that because you've been doing this run up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You're right. That's that's a little bit easier. Yeah, and I will tell you when we first engaged in the strategy. There were a lot of what ifs, oh, yeah. but we were able to talk through that. Literally, I'm a pen and paper guy. Like we write stuff down, and, and you you know my wife. Like we pros and cons everything. Yeah. We talk about the what ifs and could we do this and how would we handle it. So we were able to put all this on paper. And I think when your brain is so committed to a process that you will literally sit down and strategize, because mm-hmm. I, I do believe you need to trust your gut. I don't think you should leave a 20 year career off of just a gut instinct. One day right, you woke like, up, you had a bad batch of chili the night before, and you're like, yeah, I'm making a change tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. That I do not recommend. Right. But if you can have be intentional and sit down and strategize and, 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 and set yourself various goals financially, mm-hmm. uh, emotionally, um, you can do all that, I, I, think, I just think you're better off for it. And mm-hmm. I think your brain appreciate You can almost, not completely, but you can almost eliminate doubt. Mm-hmm. We're all in. We know. Um, could the bakery like get ripped away in a tornado one day? I guess we don't control that though, so we don't anticipate stuff like that happening. Yeah, that's not that's not a helpful no, strategy. No. And yeah. there are people who their brain goes to serious crisis mode the minute something small happens, and I think that's it's unfortunate because that can that can that cripples you. That's when fear holds you in place. And you never evolve as a person. And I don't think you you find your true self and, and fulfill what you're you're here to fulfill. Mm. That's just my my humble opinion. Yeah. But um, so what are what are your values? Like what what are the those those sacred ideals that have lit the path in front of you? Because um, I mean, like obviously from this conversation, everything that you and Julie do, your wife is intentional. And so it seems to me that you have a very intentional set of values that says this is what we're going to hold, hold, um, or what we're going to hold to. Yeah. Being intentional <laughs> is the first value, as corny as that sounds. Um, I, I, I think just about everything you do, you need to put some thought into it. I think once you find your why, mm-hmm. as corny as this sounds, and that people have laughed and I've told them, you got to know your why, and they're like, well, I'm too young to know, my, know your why. No, you're not. But you have to sit down and write it out. Um, I mean, if you're not a writer, do it on your iPad, your tablet, whatever. But you have to be intentional about it. Once you find that, all your thoughts and actions will be guided by your why. Um, It's like, you know, understanding your own personal commandments. If you know your Ten Commandments, which I don't have that many personally for myself... You should. I, I know. I have those 10. I still I know, hold I know, those. I, know. <laughs> I mean, I, I have like six because those are the ones I can remember. I'm kidding. I'm um, kidding. But that guides you. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about what the commandments or rules to live by are, all those things should guide you. It's dangerous when you don't have those values. And when I say values, it doesn't mean you're a lawless person. But if you don't have that to guide you, you're kind of just doing what's easy and what the masses do, yeah. which I think there's real danger in that. Be clear on who you are and what you stand for, and then let that guide you, which I will tell you, David, is hard because there's many a time I have not, and my wife and I have not been able to participate in things because those things didn't align with who we are. Mm -hmm. Perfect example, uh, you know, the old adage of keeping up with the Joneses, like we Mm -hmm. have over the years have had many friends that we knew that had, you know, big giant homes and beautiful sports cars, and, and like we were rolling around in a Saturn Mm-hmm. you know, for gosh knows how long and, and lived in a very modest, small home. 
and but we weren't upset about it because it was it was part of our mission. We were guided to do that, and it was and the mission was not to save money. The mission was to have options. Mm-hmm. Whereas we knew for us to get what we wanted, these would be the things we would have to do, and some of that is sacrifice. So being intentional, I think, is a, is really yeah. really important. Um, another value I I deeply am touched by is just understanding that every relationship matters, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that's something that has been uh, that's a gift I've been given and I feel a calling to that so I'm I'm a connector I want to connect with other people I want to connect them to other people I want to enrich their lives but ultimately I want to be enriched by them uh, and that that really guides and actually it's kind of crazy but it guides my wife and I cuz she too has a very similar belief in that so I just think the intentionality and also just understanding that everybody has value and I would say one of the more important strategies or values that we live by is, you know, having a strategy and sticking to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we will change some of our strategies to hit our goal, um, but there are certain how we val- how we handle money, how we don't let money control us. We control our money. Uh, how we don't get uh, we don't have to have the newest iPhone or the newest car like. That doesn't fulfill us. Yeah. So there's and, almost I don't want to say simplicity because you're talking about iPhones and stuff. But yes, and I do but, have an iPhone. But and I mean, um, uh, reasonable. Yes. Re- within reason, keeping keeping within. Yeah. Reason. And, and yeah. a simple thing, especially for electronics, I had to. My wife was n- very non-electronic. I first met her; she had a VCR, and I was like, you know, they don't make tapes anymore. <laughs> uh, but I, we, we had a rule that we created that unless it enhances our life, literally. We don't buy it. Mm. Even if it's $10, why would we invest money in something that doesn't make a difference in our life? Now, thank goodness that Apple products do, so I've been able to continue that. (laughs) But it's not about having every new piece that comes out because it's essentially the same product. Um, So part of that, that strategy, that that being intentional, Mm -hmm. that kind of is almost 1A and 1B. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I think if you just keep it simple like that, It'll, you know, those things will continue to, to guide you. And that's, I mean, we live by those simple rules. I mean, my wife probably has 27 rules. Yeah. I, I'm a guy. I have like three, four little rules, and that's what I stick to. <laughs> and then, oh, rule four, listen to what your wife tells you yeah. to do. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. I, I don't, I'm not so sure that knowing, knowing your wife, and I don't know if hers is about being male, female, but just the way her brain works, because she is, uh, uh, methodical oh, in life. like yeah. a machine yeah. with a heart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A beautiful yeah, yeah. machine, obviously. <laughs> More beautiful than an iPhone. I'll edit that out. <laughs> I'll edit out the fact that you said your wife is a robot and <laughs> has no heart. <laughs> She's the Tin Man. Yes. Um, this good stuff. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're I really appreciate you sharing your story. It's great to hear this new development in your life. It's always exciting to hear uh, just your enthusiasm and passion. Um, you know the drill, though. There are lightning questions. Let's do it. Um, there, since I've, I've got, I had to come up with a whole new set for you good, because good. You're, you've already answered the other ones. Um, what was your first tape, album, or CD that you bought with your own money? Oh my goodness! It was um, um, live, live after death. Iron Maiden. It was their their uh, live album. Sorry, but that's the truth. <laughs> Fine. Uh, what's on your nightstand? So something you're currently reading or watching that um, that interests you? Um, I've read several small like ebooks recently on on brain and brain patterns, and 
I wished I could tell you the authors. They were just quick little downloads. But, you know, just like YouTube, you get these little ebooks, then they lead to another yeah. and then another yeah, and another. Like and then they want hole. you to spend forty nine ninety nine for an annual commitment thing. But I just keep getting the free ones. But they, I've had some really good. I read some stuff by James Clear. I know a lot of people know who that guy is. And it, it's been really cool. Simple reads. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a very simple guy. I like simple stuff that my brain can kind of percolate on and, and think about. Um, and I have... Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh-huh. a ton of podcasts. Uh, I do listen to yours. Yeah. Um, I do listen to several uh, um, leadership development podcasts that are that are really cool that I'm enjoying enjoying right now. And um, anything I can feed my brain that kind of keeps me moving forward, where I don't uh, get stuck on something. You know, I try to stay off the Netflix. I do it. You know, every once in a while, and I'll watch a couple. Yeah. You know, little short stories and stuff. Because my brain likes that too. It needs a break. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's pretty much the stuff that I'm doing right now. Cool. Um, tattoos, yes or no? Yes. Oh, nice. Big Is that fat new? Samurai, yes. Oh, wow. Um, little, I love Japanese culture and I love wow. samurai. That one's pretty impressive. It's on his arm, by the way, people, if you're listening, like and how, it's the where he showed coolest me. coolest samurai tattoo yeah. you could ever see. Yeah, it is. So when you go to Community Bakery, ask to see the samurai tattoo. Yes, um, yes. What was the name of your first pet? Bear. Was it a bear? No, it was not. It was dog, a dog. Uh, it was a dog. Okay. It was, hopefully, yeah, it was a dog. Okay. Do you prefer salty or sweet? Salty. And you run a bakery. That's why it's perfect. <laughs> I told Julie if it was a Mexican restaurant, we would be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, who is your brush with greatness? So the most famous person you've seen or met. And now it can't be a concert. You have to have like actually connected enga- with engage, them. Engage with them. Yeah. Wow. You know, I, I've actually met a lot of um, music artists. Uh, I used to get um, backstage passes to a lot of events when I was in the music industry. Oh, I met right. a ton of really cool uh, musicians, uh, and it was just quick banter. Love your stuff, of course, man. You know, they were all British, yeah. and then they would sign stuff. Um, one of my um, favorite artists, I, I, I love Rob Halford from Judas Priest. I used to be a big Judas Priest fan, and he's an amazing vocalist, and I met him twice. That was really cool. And he was very down-to-earth, and we chatted and talked uh, about a few things besides music. That was that was pretty cool. Cool. Uh, and then what's one skill you've always wanted to have but never learned? Playing guitar. Really? Yes. Playing guitar. I've always wanted to be a, a real musician. I was in the music industry, but never as a musician. <laughs> and I'm just so envious of uh, musicians. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, David. John is such a gregarious and charismatic person. And, and often people with those personality traits come across as... Uh, surviving on their own charm, or they seem impulsive, like they fly by the seat of their pants. And I realize that I'm stereotyping here, and I'm not giving a negative value statement on that approach. Some people just make decisions more instinctively. But I'm sure you heard that John's new journey is not an impulse decision. It was methodical. Rather than surviving on instinct, it came from years of conversation and planning. It was born out of getting clear about his values and what he and his family want out of life, the impact they want to make. It was an intentional process. In fact, when we talk about risk, we often approach that decision with 
the what ifs. What if this happens or what if that happens? But what I hear John saying is that his family asked the question from the other angle, the angle of what if we don't do this? Perhaps there is greater risk in a dream and desire that is not followed. I wonder if you're taking risks like that. I know I am. I'm truly honored that John took the time to share with us again, and I'm, I'm very appreciative of him. And it would be, it's going to be fun to watch this story grow and change over the next couple of years. So thanks to all of you for listening. I, I know I don't put out episodes with any sort of regularity, but if you subscribe through SoundCloud or through iTunes, when I do post new episodes, you'll get notification, and so you won't miss one. As always, once again, a big thank you to Mr. Carter. Until next time.